Oh, great. Yeah. Shall we? Let's do it. All right, cool. What's up, punheads? You're listening to Punkcast, a podcast, a podcast. My name is Jersey Gwizdowski. I'm here with the man who declared the death of this very podcast, author, journalist, and the author of Away With Words, an irreverent tour through the world of pun competitions, Mr. Joe Berkowitz. Joe, how you doing? Pretty good. How's it going? Doing good. Um, so this has been a podcast long in the making and a book long in the making. You basically got paid to follow us around for a year. That's true. What Although, a job. Uh, if I had just been following around, it would have probably gotten, uh, I wouldn't have had as much fun as I did or been as nervous as I was uh, actually doing the pun competitions myself. So for those of you that uh, are listening that aren't familiar with the book, although I can't imagine there are a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that haven't yet heard about the book. But if you haven't, Joe, would you briefly describe the origin of the book and give us a, a quick uh, overview? Sure. Um, I leave out the part in the book where an editor talked to my agent and <laughs> dragged him to Punderdome and said, hey, I think there's a book in this. Do you know anyone who is a journalist who's funny who could write that? And uh, I generally start at the part where I talk to uh, my friend Tim Donnelly, better known as Forrest Whitaker. Yes. I asked him because I knew him to be a, uh, a punman. So I asked him, you know, uh, tell me everything that you can about Punderdome. And he mentioned that there was a New York Post event, um, Punderdome Champs versus the uh, editors of the Post and at that uh, the next week. And I should go to that. And I said, sure. And anyway, so in the book, it starts off with my friend Tim telling me about this. So I leave out that right. other part. But yeah, that's that is how it happened. Uh, there's no way of getting around that. It would have been a lot <laughs> less dramatic tension if... Uh, if I was like, and my agent said, leaning across the table, you know, or anything like that. You were recruited into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a, a happy marriage of subject matter and narrator. There's yeah. something about your voice as an author. I, well, we sat down pretty early in the process mm-hmm. and you picked my brain about my experience in punning and, and all that stuff. And um, I have to admit, Joe, I was a little uh, wary mm-hmm. at the outset because the competitive punning world, it's a thing that I love dearly. I also, I think, have enough self-awareness and distance from it to know that it's a strange thing that is a, can is considered a curiosity to many who aren't familiar with it. And I thought, who is this interloper that's uh, coming in and uh, is going to make us objects of figures of fun, or, or uh, uh, is 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 he going to kind of uh, be mocking us as he as he follows us through? But I quickly picked up from you just your honesty and genuine interest in this subject. And also your own hilarious and charming self-effacing nature that really you, <laughs> the the person that gets poked at the most in the book is yourself as you attempt to enter and do enter this world of competitive punning. Yeah, I quickly realized at my first Punderdome that this probably wasn't going to be the story of a journalist uh, infiltrating the world of competitive punning and then going on to becoming the best punster in the world. <laughs> And that uh, rather it was just I was just kind of going to generally be there and I was going to give my best and see uh, mainly like what benefits I could get for myself of doing this a lot. What I mean, 
what I could get beyond getting better at pun competitions if there was anything else. And then uh, mainly it was going to be about you guys. And yeah, yeah, right away after talking to you, I realized there was this uh, friendly yet also uh, semi, you know, semi-serious rivalry between you and Ben Zeke. Uh (laughs) Uh, And I, and I said, and I thought that that was something to explore. And then, um, but yeah, you know, your wariness it was well-founded because <laughs> I did walk into this partly with the idea that, okay, I need to have a Christopher Guest best in show type element here. You yeah. know, I, I want to see some freaks and I want to <laughs> present them as they are hilariously. But what I found was that there's not a general abundance of that. There is, you know, there is some, there are some hilarious uh, best in show type type folks who do take it super seriously in odd and, um, unintentionally hilarious ways sure. but there are just as many people who just happen to be really good at wordplay and thinking on their feet and uh found themselves doing this this odd hobby yeah i mean it, it's a it's interesting the backgrounds that that bring people into the world there are other journalists that do it there mm-hmm. are programmers there are plenty of comics and actors and writers that do it as well you pretty quickly started to infiltrate the world, participate. I say infiltrate, like there's something mm-hmm. malicious about it. Yeah. You're very upfront the whole time. Hey, I'm writing a book. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Um, and then participate in the contests. Um, what was it like to get up there and uh, know that not only were you in front of all of these people, but then you would be writing about the experience later? Um, well... I guess that made it easier in terms of being nervous about doing well. Cause like, I mean, at first at least. Right, right. Uh, yeah. At first I was like, it doesn't matter how bad this goes. Cause if it goes really bad, then it'll be really funny when I write it. Yeah. Later on <laughs> though, I was like, now there has to be some expectation for the reader that I would get at least a little better at this. So come on, you know, come on, dude. Let's, let's fucking step do up it. your yeah. game. Yeah. So that made it, there was, I remember, I think it was either, yeah, it was April. April was the first time I left Punderdome just seriously beating myself up. I was just a mess. I was like, God, I mean, come on. And I was just, yeah, uh, I had punter's remorse, all these things I didn't do, things I did do, and like, why didn't I do that differently? Right. And uh, yeah, but at first, I, I knew that I could crash and burn and it would just be material for the book, and that was helpful. Well, you do have a strong sense of strong sense of story. You wrote a book about it, so you must have a strong sense of story about it um, within your own track through it. But what was really surprising to me, kind of looking at the book in a macro sense, was there is really a journey there. You really outlined a story, and one that I might not have recognized unless I saw it again through your eyes. Mm -hmm. Because to me, and a lot of us in the book, we've had conversations about the surrealness of reading about things that in some cases happened less than a year ago mm-hmm. or just about a year ago, um, being immortalized on the page, uh, encounters in the lobby of Littlefield or, you know, <laughs> in the rain on DeGrasse Street on some random Tuesday or in a, a car or Uber in Austin, Texas, that have then become these story markers on this this journey that really begins with you entering the world while we're all preparing for uh, that New York Post event. I would like to put together a document of things I intentionally left out because I wanted everybody (laughs) to be happy and I would like to circulate it and I would like to see how everybody reacted to that. That's fascinating. 
I mean, how long I'm is that document? Going, I'm not going to do it, but I would like to just every now and then I, it, it crosses my mind. Yes, of course. I mean, yeah, you were privy to a lot of personal conversations, just a lot of um, maybe trash talk between the competitors, uh, things that might have just been flat out uninteresting or unfunny. You mm-hmm. make us all look very good and clever in the book as well. Um, but you curated and picked, I think, some of our best work. Yeah, and I tried, you know, I, I, I wasn't out to embarrass anybody. And I, uh, I wanted to get just enough, like, the hint of salaciousness that like that you that people can go to Punderdome and get laid. I wanted to get that in there without anyone's whole mess being out on the table or anything <laughs> like that. So yeah, I try to do bare mins on that that part. Well, if there's anybody who's ever used Punderdome to date or to try to hook up with people for whoever that is that might be out there, I'm sure that they appreciate that, Joe. Uh, so, uh, this isn't actually your first time appearing on the podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I was so excited early on when, uh, when you invited me to come over to, uh, Trevor's place at Front Pearl Studio yeah. to, uh, compete in, or have a friendly night of pun games, uh, for Punkast because I hadn't really hung out out of Punderdome with you or anyone else yet. So these were... A couple people I, I'd seen Sam before, but I didn't really know her. Right, seen, this was during a yeah. time when Sam had not been around as much. So I think yeah. this is really her entree into the the narrative of the book. Is yeah. that night? Yeah, there's a brief mention of her at the post thing, but we don't come right. back to her for a couple chapters. So yeah, uh, I was glad to get invited to that, and it was really fun to go. The most the worst part about that night though was listening back to the tapes later on because I heard myself and I was just so. So bad most of the time. Um, there's parts like every part I'm proud of of myself that night made it into the book. <laughs> and there's hints because, like I said earlier, you know, me doing bad, I know, is, is pretty good. I mean, it, it probably reads like a, like a laugh. Yeah. So when you say listening back to the tapes, you mean the episode of the show or did you have your own tapes of conversations we were having and stuff there? Jersey, it took me so long to write this book. And part <laughs> of the reason why is for things like this, just to be thorough, I listen to your podcast and then I also listen to my recording of it. And so there's a lot of like in between recording, because uh, you did a couple episodes that night. So yes. in between recording sessions, I would be recording and oh totally yeah and we well some of us would be you know like smoking and we we're just hanging out and having like beers and stuff and so there's conversations about that that's reco- i mean not not about like hey we're smoking you know there's, yeah, yeah. But there's like conversations during that time that i recorded and yeah um nothing really usable came out of recording that but i, I sure as shit listened to it well yeah we recorded it for about three hours that night and mm-hmm. uh, got two 40 minute episodes out of it mm-hmm. um so there are plenty of i wish i could circulate a podcast that was all of the uh all the pieces from that night that didn't make it into the cut because um now when you say smoking uh you're referring to marijuana oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um which is i think actually this uh is it a chapter or this section of the book um is one of my favorite your journey through that night and all sure. of our experience that night, which was a lot of fun. Um, I won't speak for anybody else, but like when I do the pond competitions or even when I do the podcast, um, I don't, I'm not usually smoking pot or getting high, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think it, you know, it slows me down or I get caught up in my own. It takes me off into some silly place and I can't stay focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, other folks do it often. Um, but uh, for that night of the podcast, I think because it was more social atmosphere, it was a lot of fun, and we knew we could edit it down if it was terrible. Uh, we we got high, and mm-hmm. so that the your dual journey of like 
hanging out and making puns and wanting to play along with the games and being stoned during that process is one of my favorite sequences. And I think really speaks to your own self-deprecating and really insightful brand of, uh, <laughs> humor. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, my, my editor bugged me to, she was like more high stuff. And I really couldn't. Cause I mean, I, I didn't want to like lie right, and say right. like, in this part, I felt like I was sliding down a rainbow or anything like, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I, um, I, I, and you know, I'm a, I'm a pot smoker. I, so it right. wasn't like a special kind of high or anything like that, but right. it was the experience, I guess, of having it more difficult to access a clever pun and second guessing like the shit out of myself, which plays funny once or twice. But if I kept just bringing up again, like I was, you know, having like a uh, idea gridlock trying right. to come up with something, you know, it would just get boring and repetitive. So I was like, I'm, I don't, I don't have any more high stuff. There must be something to, not yeah, not the fact that it was a special kind of high or you weren't used to, you know, smoking pot or something, but the fact that you spend a lot of the book and we spend a lot of time on this podcast and just doing the pun thing, thinking about the way that we think when we do these competitions mm-hmm. and looking at the brain. And I can imagine a little THC only enhances that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was really curious. I, I definitely wanted that element in the book because I'd known that pun people were, I mean, not like every single person, but. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, I knew that there was definitely some smokers among us and I just wasn't sure whether that was like an onstage thing or immediately afterwards or what. And so the moment that like pot was introduced that night, I was like, oh, goody, now I get to find out, um, how people are on this, how I'm going to be while high. And yeah, so that was fun. Uh, and it was like a nice extra layer to it. Yeah. And then also an extra layer was just you and Jordan kind of going at each other a little bit. It was like pretty subtle. Yeah. But still there. And then still, and then, you know, later on when I was putting like the book together, I was like, oh, this is great that this is happening in chapter four, giving a hint of what's to come. It's hint of what's to come, meaning, yeah. of course, the eventual dissolution of our relationship as brothers and the <laughs> 10 month hiatus of the podcast. And we never spoke again. Uh, no, that's not what happened. Um, but yeah, for a brief time, we stopped recording the podcast, I think because of scheduling stuff and him moving away briefly. Uh, and then we did get, uh, yeah, we, we, it's kind of a fun part of the show is that we're very different people. <laughs> and uh, go about things in different ways. And I think you say, you have a line of the book that no two people have ever felt less like brothers, oh. at least from appearance. <laughs> um, but it does feel that way sometimes. And I think, I assure you, Jordan will agree. Um, and uh, that that track of our relationship through the course of the book is was for me very touching and um, lovely. And, you know, it's it's an odd thing to read a a book that has a significant portion of it about you and your family members. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the way that you wrote about it. I, oh. I, I really, it, it meant a lot to me and I found myself unexpectedly moved multiple times, um, in the way that you spoke about not only my family and I, but, um, the group of us that do these pun competitions as friends, mm-hmm. because it's, I think it's rare that those casual, um, evenings out, those hobbies, those events, those things that we do for fun get immortalized in this way in a book or a documentary or an article or a what have you. And it, it, it made, it, it was very unexpectedly moving. I don't know if it will be for those that aren't in it, but for me, it definitely was. I think some of it might be, I mean, I don't know. I think it'd be hard not to be like at least a little touch toward, I mean, I want to like, you know, give away the ending for anyone who hasn't read. Well, Anyone who's listening to this knows what happened at pun, at the That's pun true, off last year. Right. But yeah, so when you and uh, Toby are on stage, there's like, you know, there's like some, some, some cute stuff there that I don't, 
I think. Uh, yeah. Not, a, not an eye was dry in the house. Not a dry eye in the house. I actually do have, I have a mission from Toby that I, I have to berate oh, no. you for he, implying. He like his, uh, no, his he likes it. No, it's not his description. Oh, okay. He is. I went back and forth about that. I was like, is that mean? I don't know. What, that he has, that his hairline is receding? He's aware of it. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what someone else got mad about their hair. The way their hair is described in the book. That's, well, that's a, another issue, I guess. I mean, my hair is magician-like in the book, <laughs> I think. You know, we, we all make our hair choices, and then we are we are subject to, to how we represent ourselves in the oh, world. Oh, yeah. Lay the Toby question on me. Well, Toby just wants... he. <laughs> I think it was just a text with while he was reading the book, which he got the, the day it came out from Jeff Bezos, our future overlord. Just a... a, a, a iPhone photo of the page where it said maybe Jersey let him win and move on in the final round. I mean, that's the thing that bugged him the most. No, I, uh, I, I, I wanted to put it there as a, susp- I mean, as a possible suspicion, but not like a conspiracy theory or no, anything no. like that. <laughs> I, I, me- I meant it like would as like a hypo, like a thought exercise. Like if he had, ha- if you and Ben Zeke had been going back and forth on the same topic. Would you have possibly wanted it more enough to the point where you would have been like pulled something out? Although I can't think of anything worse that you could have pulled out than if steaks get satisfy you, can cribs, 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 like, you know, furniture, like the cribs. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think that you let Toby win. I just, I just was so stunned by that outcome. Not no, no knock against Toby. I just hadn't, I've been following you around for a year, seeing you whoop so much ass met Toby and then to see you you fall uh in that particular contest I was so stunned it was surprising it was he was a great competitor and did very well this this May as well he mm-hmm. got second place in the punniest of show with a terrific routine we talked about it in an earlier episode um but for the for the final record no he completely beat me fair and square and I'm hugely competitive especially with my brothers I have never let Jordan win a single thing mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm always proud of Jordan and Toby when they do, but I was trying to crush him and he just had more recall than I did. Well, no matter if I, I, I hope that it's at least a little bit, uh, suspenseful or exciting when you get to that part in the book, but I don't think anybody in the audience that day or in the audience reading the book is going to be as pumped and into it as I was on that moment, because here I had been researching this and living this for like a year and this was like this culminating moment. And so I just remember after it was over, I was like, oh my God, I like screamed. <laughs> and I was like, oh wow, people are probably like being like, man, that guy is really into this. There are people that get really into it though. So, you know, you you were among, you were one of us for that shining moment and for that entire year. Well, you know, I mean, it, I felt it on two levels. I'm one of, I, I am here, I am here for on assignment and right. I'm like looking for, that scoop and stuff, but just as a general alive person, I'm also like, you know, looking for a good time and looking to stay interested and also, you know, damn it. I want to win when I'm in a contest. So there's that too. So yeah. So it was multiple levels at the same time, but then also an extra level of worry because I'm just, I tend to be, I mean, as you can probably tell by reading the book or hanging out with me, uh, you know, I tend to be a self-conscious person. So there was times <laughs> where I'm like, does everybody think I'm like a fucking asshole for hanging out here? I, I especially felt that the night before the, the pun off, the night before the O'Henry last year, really? we were hanging out 
uh, drinking beer at that one place that looked like a barn. I forget what the hell it's called. Was that uh, Texas uh, Craft Pride? Yes. I had the word craft in my head, but I was like, craft is a kind of beer, not a place. Um, But anyway, yeah, we were hanging out there. I just had this one moment where I felt like, does everybody hate me here? (laughs) I definitely wasn't high. It wasn't like high paranoia. Um, And yeah, I just had to like wander to the side of the 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 barn like structure and just sit there and kind of like freak out for a second. I think I called uh, my then fiance now wife and was just trying to relay what I was feeling. And she was, I could practically like hear her watching a cute kitten video at the same time on like her <laughs> laptop or something like that. Uh, as my not quite um, meaningful or you know able to convey meaning words uh, came across the airwaves. Anyway. But uh, that was, I, I can't say exactly what brought that on, but yeah, I just remember I was just thinking like, does everybody here hate me right now? I don't know. Well, uh, speaking, I will speak for the entire group and say, no, that's not the case. And I hope that our uh, enjoyment of the book and our willingness to participate and our uh, uh, bringing you in are the way that I've uh, talked about it and heard from the other folks that appear in it, that we forgot that you were writing a book and you were one of the gang that was hanging out with us. Uh, so much to the point where we realized like, oh, did Joe, was, was he manipulating us to all go down to Texas that year? Like, would it have, was it like a better book because so many more of us went or like we just forgot. And then if we felt like, uh, I felt that sometimes like, oh boy, what if he's this master uh, puppet string puller in some I, way? <laughs> I kind of wondered if everybody, if so many people ended up going because there was a book being written. I, I honestly wasn't sure. I didn't see any evidence of it, but it did oh. strike me that, yeah, so I didn't, I wasn't sure whether there had been conversations had being like, hey, if we all go, this will be like, will be documented in a book. And ultimately, I didn't feel like that, but it definitely crossed my mind. You know, that's really interesting. Um, the, who's zooming who, as they said on some show a long time ago? Who's zooming who? Yeah, the, uh, no the idea observing, changing the thing that's being observed. Mm-hmm. I think it was fortunate for us and fortunate for you that you caught us at a time when we were all becoming really close friends and mm-hmm. a bunch of new people had infused into it and a bunch of people who had been away. I mean, there were periods of four or five months when I was away or out of town and wasn't working um, uh, in town. So I wasn't doing that, the Punderdome and seeing those folks as much. Um, so there, there were so many reasons why it was a good thing. It was this particular year that yeah. this happened. Like, because like you just said, the, the group kind of coalescing together and um, you having kind of a fresh rivalry with uh, Ben Zeke, having just like the la- the previous year lost to him and like in wanting to like, get on your game. Uh, Toby coming into it for his first time. This ended up not being that big of a factor, but that guy, Big Papa E, was making his big return. Oh, now. yeah. Eric Ott. Yeah. Yeah. They just changed the rules. So there was a lottery now. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm glad I ended up getting in, but like, yeah, but, uh, you know, it's weird that this was the first year there was a lottery just in time for the book. Yeah. And there was a couple other things like that. The only reason that it wasn't a great year for, uh, for the book to be written was because you won Punsligers, uh, your ultimate goal the following year. So yes. that was the, that was the <laughs> only problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I couldn't make that happen for you, man. Yeah, I really man. worked on it. No, but, uh, I'm, I'm happy with how it. Okay, now, I think I interrupted you a second ago. We, yeah, we're, we've, we're like seven uh, layers of interruption. And at this point, I think it's just, we're just chatting about it. I, I never got to go up against Ben Zeke, though. That's the thing. He got knocked out by Dave Wallace, who mm-hmm. then I beat in the finals. So I still haven't had a head-to-head against Ben that I won. But 
One of these days. One of these days. It'll be for the sequel. Maybe you guys can do it like out in the streets. Like, uh, I forget which movie, but like some movie where at the end there's like the big fight and somebody loses, but then they fight out in the parking lot. Oh, they re. Oh, what yeah. is that movie? I feel, I want to say Karate Kid 2, but like I'm like probably right. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. We're failing as uh, pop culture reference people right now. That's a shame. Yeah. So um, you've spent some time chatting about the different sections of the book, people's reactions to it. Um, there's a fair amount of stuff that didn't make it in, mm-hmm. including an entire journey into battle rap. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the first things I thought of. Like when I'm, I, when I knew I was writing the book, well, when they asked me if I could write a book, I wasn't sure. I mean, I wanted to, but I wasn't sure. So I started looking, what else could I possibly do besides just talk about Punderdome and talk about the O. Henry and like follow some people going to it. So I started looking at other situations that are like pun competitions. And I came across like late night writing or late night comedy writing mm-hmm. and where they just have to produce a ton of jokes quickly. Eventually I realized Bob's burgers is so punny and they have a pun quota in each episode. They have to get puns in there. And, but one of the really early ones was puns and hip hop. And uh, also battle rapping. It's weird because there isn't a ton of puns in battle rapping because you have to think so quickly that you might not have like this pun ready to go spring loaded. You might just like be more focused on the rhyme than on the pun. Right. But then again, hip hop in general is just so loaded with puns. And then some battle raps take out, I mean, take the form of like diss tracks that are, you know, constructed that they just go back and forth like Drake versus Meek Mill where they're not just like standing in each other's faces making uh you know one-liners that have to rhyme they can take their time with it right exactly yeah so I was exploring that world a bit I'm I went to when I was in LA researching stuff I went to there is like a, a comedy battle rap competition with uh, Eliza Skinner who has gone on to uh co-create um or be heavily involved in Drop the Mic, which is James Corden's forthcoming or the spinoff of James Corden's show uh, where it's like celebrity battle raps. Yeah. Which she's made with our uh, our friend Jensen Karp, who we'll get into uh, <laughs> right now. OK, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I wanted to explore battle raps, I, I, I consulted Jensen Karp, uh, who is um, a mainly online pal of mine who hosts a podcast uh, called Get Up on This. Uh, he... It's a show where they just, you know, talk about undersung movies and music and shows each week and has kind of a hip hop. It's not fully hip hop, but uh, Jensen Karp has a history. He had a million dollar record label or million dollar record deal as Hot Carl. Hot Carl for those that remember Hot Carl from back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so anyway, because of that, you know, he has like this hip hop following. And so all these rappers will send in songs to his show. Uh, as theme songs. And um, I got ahead of myself. Uh, oh, this is great. I, actually, I, I didn't know if we would get into this whole story, but now that we're oh, into no, it, no. let's do it. <laughs> uh, the first thing I wanted to say was just that I consulted him about like what battle rappers can you, oh, yeah, can right. you send me to to talk to? And he gave me some, and they were reluctant, but they like, were, and I ultimately never interviewed any straight up battle rappers. I interviewed mm-hmm. a comedy rap guy, Zach Sherwin, who is very funny. And I had a great interview with, and I'm really sad that like his stuff didn't make it into the book. Right. And Eliza Skinner, who was like very informative and interesting, still didn't make it in the book. Very funny. Um, but yeah, 
uh, I wanted to get one guy who wasn't a comedy guy, just like a straight up rapper and talk to him about puns. And as you might guess, they weren't super psyched about that, but <laughs> I think they spoke with their publicist and they're like, okay, I, I guess I'll, I'll have this conversation. And then it just never happened. Got it. But anyway. Um, but back to Jensen and get up on this. Uh, eventually while we were getting close to the, the pun off yeah. around that same time. And I was like, gathering material for that hypothetical hip-hop chapter. Uh, I was just steeped in battle raps, and a battle broke out on that show. Get up on this. Right. So all those rappers I mentioned before who listen to the show and send in tracks, they all started beefing with each other, and it kind of, uh, it's, it was like listening to a audio WrestleMania etched out in real time. Because these guys would just have new songs each week, and they would be, they would have proper hooks, like really good rhymes and um and they were like just demolishing each other yeah and they were legitimate they were legitimate beefs because they were going into personal life mm-hmm. oh and, yeah your you wife know, your, your career marriages, your career all kinds of stuff <laughs> all kinds yeah. of stuff it got real real and uh while i was appreciating as a listener you know i like you know as a writer you have this double life you appreciate things on one level uh-huh. and then also on the other level you're like can i write about this mm-hmm and for me, I was, I wrote about the, I, my job is at Fast Company. I'm like a pop culture reporter. So I, I immediately conceived like the best, uh, rap battle in years was taking place dot, dot, dot on a podcast. So I wrote that article and it was generally well received except for one thing. Um, <laughs> there was a guy from the main stable of contributors who I left out and then put a lesser involved rapper's name in his place. I did not fact check. These were, uh, this was fake news. Well, there's, there's no way that could have come back to bite you in the ass in any way, Joe. Oh, of course not. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) So this guy, T.Y. is his name. Yeah. T.Y. was out and should have been in. Mm -hmm. Wobzy was in and should have been out. I've always been a low-key Wobzy fan, though. I'm a big fan of the podcast, and I like Wobzy's kind of production value and cadence, and I was happy you included Wobzy, but T.Y. was not happy that you included Wobzy and not mm-hmm. him. Yeah, and let me just say for the record that both of those guys should probably have been in a battle for whose name sounds more like one of the dancing monsters from Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so T.Y. was, Wobzy was, was happy with the outcome, but T.Y. was less so, and I didn't realize just how not happy he was until the following week when I tuned in the podcast and I heard... Uh, after the intro, you know, Jensen Carp was hyping up uh, that I personally was filled with shrapnel. Yeah. And I was like, I do not like the sound of that one bit. Joe Berkowitz, welcome to beef season, I believe was the cold open. Yeah. Immediately followed by this beef with you, motherfucker, from uh, Matthew Robinson, the co-host. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, I experienced this weird feeling where... You know, I knew I was about to hear a song made for the express purpose of mocking me in public, and I didn't know whether I wanted it to be really, really bad or really, really amazing. Yeah. All I knew was I was about to be embarrassed, and that proved out uh, because, yeah, it, it was a really good song. It was a good beat, and he was funny. Uh, he was he took funny. Me, he took me properly to task. And, yeah, um, so I was sitting there kind of like, half sulking, half admiring and being like, well, this was a funny thing that happened. And then I got a text from you saying like, you're going to make a, a, a song back. Right. And I hadn't even thought of it. Yeah. But you know, and I'd I, known you for a few months at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We knew we both listened to this podcast. We knew we both listened to this. And we're both like hip hop heads. Yes. And, and yeah, it is the, 
is the 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 dream inside the secret heart of every white English major who's into hip hop that one day you know he'll get called up to the big leagues and have to <laughs> rap for some reason. And this was your chance. This so. was my chance, man. So uh, so yeah. So I I. I I mean, at first I was a little unsure. I was like, um, where would we even get a beat? How will we possibly lay it down? And then you said, I will find us a beat and I will bring recording equipment to your apartment and we'll do this. The very microphones we're recording on right now. Yes, yes. the very same. Yeah. And uh, we, you relayed this story on your recent appearance promoting the book on Get Up On This, along with some great pop culture picks, I thought. Oh, thanks. Um, but uh, the part that you left out was that the backing track for your uh your song was a, a hot Carl track. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you carefully and wisely selected, uh, a beat from what, like what was more popular, I think the most popular hot yeah. Carl song. And so that would be like a special wink to him. Had he ever heard of it? Unfortunately, it was not the easiest beat to rap over. Yeah. It was a little, a little tough. And, uh, I thought the, the lyric writing of it was terrific. And I thought your <laughs> wordplay in it was especially punny and, uh, you know, you were filling your role as the journalist in the rap beef. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had a line about like, um, just because it's beef season doesn't mean that you can meet the press. Like, <laughs> like how meat is also meat. There was sort of a, a whole charcuterie thing going on there. Cause you, you had a hot dog line in there. Oh God. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I can't, I can't do it. I, 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 I will. I'm all right. I'm well, this is how the story ends is that you came over and I had been pretty, been feeling pretty good about the lyrics I'd put together. Yeah, They're very funny. I was feeling pretty good about it. But then I, I realized that the thing nobody ever tells you about rapping is that it's very, very hard. And you have to have a lot of confidence for one thing. And if you've ever seen me on stage at Punderdome, you know, I'm like barely holding it together up there. And so that that's going to be a problem for me. So I, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't rap with you in the room, you know, like all the greats, (laughs) like all the greats. greats. My producers here, I need them to walk out or at least face the corner and turn around while I do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Blair Witch style, get over there in that corner. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you very generously, offered to to leave uh and just, like <laughs> let me just record on my own time and so yeah so I, I did that i was uh i tried a few takes and then like my my wife came home and i gently ordered her to remain at least two rooms over uh close the door put on uh noise canceling headphones and dunk her head underwater and then <laughs> um and then you know i yeah so i finally like i got going i like I recorded it and I got through maybe like five straight straight through takes and I was like, okay, this sound this is feeling pretty good. Let's hear how it sounds. And I like listened to it and oh my God, it was just so bad. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm definitely going to my grave with this. Nobody can hear this. I'm definitely not putting it out there. I, I understand why uh, your your brand, which you have been so generous with uh, your readers in your last book, you blew it. Mm-hmm. And in this book, uh, Away With Words, and on this podcast, your brand is, I am a funny, smart guy who has uh, great or interesting opinions and sensitivity and compassion and curiosity, but I am also very nervous to speak or perform in public. Well, and you've the been, first part is hopefully like implied without me having to say it. You don't say it, but I'll say it on your behalf <laughs> and that's true. Um, and so I think your willingness to jump in and ponder dome to jump onto this podcast and even to 
to even flirt with the idea of recording a battle rap is admirable. But the writing of it, I think, was terrific. I still remember the opening line, which is, between U-N-I-T-Y, there absolutely is no unity. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite puns I think I've ever heard, Joe. That's a very solid pun. You followed it up with... uh, you took a chance, but you ain't hot dog, and I relish opportunity. There's the charcuterie you're talking about, yeah. A little less, a little less. Uh, yeah, I can't picture anyone, sure, like, like hearing that and then, like, putting a bucket hat over their face, like, oh, <laughs> shit, call that dude a hot dog. How does that make you feel? <laughs> um, but you really, you know, you, you really... Um, you really dove in, in head first, and I thought the work was really good. And I do think, I said this at the top, and, and I will say it again, you know, you're one of the funniest people I've had the pleasure to meet in, the, in, in recent uh, years, and um, your take on this world of pun competitions and on us was uh, funny and accurate, and in some cases it was you know, I felt like, oh, that is, it's kind of a weird thing that we do. Uh, but at other times, you know, it, it was your own journey into doing this weird thing and taking on the burden on yourself of, of, of making it work. And I think it's ultimately really successful. And if you're listening to the show and you don't know about the book, go buy it immediately. Uh, go to your local bookstore, go to Amazon. The book is called Away With Words. The author is Joe Berkowitz. It's terrific. Joe's also amazing on Twitter. I highly recommend following him on Twitter. Uh, as a concerned American and funny guy, uh, he also writes for Fast Company, among other places. And uh, I, I cannot recommend this book enough. Of all the books in which I am a subject matter, it's one of my top five favorite. All right. Thanks for, uh, <laughs> thanks for sitting here, Joe, and chatting with us. Oh, uh, man, my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to leave us with before we head out? Um, I think I, I think I left it all on the table. Left it all on the table. Yeah. That's all we can ask in a, in a, a documentary about puns. All right. Well, uh, for Joe, I've been Jersey. Uh, you know what to do if you like the podcast. Uh, like, review us, listen to us, uh, write us reviews. Follow us on all the places, Instagram, the social, uh, punk underscore ass on Twitter and uh, Instagram. And uh, until next time, this has been Punk Ass. A podcast. Nailed it. A podcast. Bye-bye. See ya. Perfect. All right.